Welcome to Game Notes, your Utah Jazz podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. That's Tony Jones. Today, we heard from Quinn Snyder this week, so we'll talk about that. But don't forget, you can go to theathletic.com slash game notes, get a trial for this old athletic subscription. Make sure you're doing that because you can catch uh, anything that I write. But more importantly, you're a Utah Jazz fan. You should be taking everything that Tony Jones is writing about the Jazz as they're hopefully about to restart this whole thing, Tony, we uh, we had some corona testing this week uh, for the league. The league announced that out of 302 players that were tested for the comeback, we had uh, 16 positive tests. That's 5%. That seems like not that bad. Reportedly, eight of those came from the Suns and Kings. So that seems to be more of your NBA hotspot for these uh, for these positive tests test so tony as we get into this you know obviously rudy gobert and donovan mitchell were testing positive uh before this whole thing uh truly shut down so where where are you on the on the restart of the orlando magic disney world resort thing in, in regards to utah jazz they took their uh test this week and they were expected to not alert the media of the results of the test but 16 out of like you said they're they're eight players from two teams and 16 uh, out of 302 uh, in the grand scheme of things that doesn't seem bad because I think that you know all of those guys most of the th- those 302 guys have been you know playing ball somewhere uh, somewhere or another so I actually expected the number to be um, a little bit bigger you know I think the NBA as a whole kind of knew this was coming so they braced themselves and they wanted to to get the test out early so they know what the next course of action is going to be for their guys to test positive in terms of getting those guys quarantined and getting them healthy before they got into the bubble so with the with the jazz this week I know Quinn Snyder spoke to uh, had a zoom call spoke to the media what was the biggest takeaway for jazz fans looking to you you know, to, I guess to prepare for this restart with what Quinn said. Well, from a basketball perspective, I mean, in the Jazz are whole and they're ready to go. Obviously, there's no boy on Bogdanovich, but, you know, with certain players opting out of the Orlando restart, it's noteworthy that, that Quinn Snyder said that, you know, his team is intact and it's whole and, and it's, it's ready to go other than the injured Bogdanovich. So I think that that was a takeaway. And I think that, you know, the Jazz themselves are kind of looking forward to getting down there and trying to compete at the highest level. I've been trying to figure out how this might uh, change things, what teams might, you know, benefit the most. And it you know, there, there's a theory out there that teams that run a lot of ISO heavy stuff with kind of elite ISO scores may benefit the most because you want to kind of pare things down. You want to make it basic. Uh, you can't make a complete comparison to soccer, but as soccer has come back um, to you know a couple of couple of leagues, you know the base they're running just a lot of basic stuff because the team chemistry isn't there right off the bat. The Jazz have a complicated playbook, right? They have a lot of actions, a lot of screens, a lot of passing. Do you think they may kind of simplify things in terms of their offensive attack or are they just going to try to work through the rust and and get back on the same page you know the funny thing about the jazz is they do simplify their offense down the stretch i mean it's they run you know when it gets to the last five minutes of of games what they you know they run a lot of uh pick and roll stuff with donovan mitchell now what they what they did run and what they um what they're gonna have to figure something out for is they used to run a lot of one three pick and roll, which was which is Donovan Mitchell and Bojan Bogdanovic, um, and, and Bogdanovic, you know, came up huge uh, a number of times this season with, 
you know, with with uh, with big baskets down the stretch, clutch baskets, and and two game winners. So um, they're not going to have that option anymore. Um, but you know, usually, I mean, them being an ISO heavy team uh, down the stretch of games or a pick and roll heavy team with one guy or one or two guys down the stretch of games, it's not a foreign concept to them. Um, it's something that they've they've kind of done all season. Uh, and even last season, um, as Mitchell was, has um, emerged uh, so much as a dynamic score within the offense. So with that, like they they kind of have three guys that they could really utilize, right? Like Donovan's obviously number one. I think Mike Conley can, isn't like a heavy ISO guy, but he can get he can get past guys. He can isolate against guys if you you know force a switch or whatever. And so many teams just automatically switch now and don't fight through things. So you can take advantage there. And then you know your guy Jordan Clarkson, the greatest six man in Utah Jazz history. Uh, you know he's a he's a guy who can really score in isolation. So it might actually benefit them to to simplify it for most of the game if that's what if that's what they deem necessary to kind of catch things up. Well, first of all, I got to ask a question. Are you are you always going to refer Jordan Clarkson at, to Jordan Clarkson as the greatest six man in Utah Jazz history? Like, you know that, what? I haven't gotten tired of the shtick yet, so probably. Okay, I just want to know how how long that's gonna. Oh, it's gonna be months. Last. Yeah, maybe okay. the whole next season. Who knows? Who knows? It probably depends on how long they keep Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, what happens if Jordan Clarkson is like elsewhere next season? Do we still get that? You might get it like when they're in town. I could see myself being reminded. Like, lucky for you, like I forget a lot of things. You know, I just forget <laughs> to do. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna do this, and then I just forget to do a lot of things. So that might benefit you, but yeah, like he goes somewhere else. Like you know, when they come into town, I might be reminded. But if they if they resign him, Tony, I'd expect to hear it a lot. Well, for Jordan Clarkson, I think that he's gonna be. I mean, you're right. He's gonna be an important piece. Uh, of the puzzle, and he's going to be an important piece of, of what the Jazz do. And I expect him on the floor now uh, in crunch time, depending on how how he how he how he defends. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Jazz do. Um, whether you know they close with Donovan Mitchell at the point guard, or if they close with Mike Conley at point guard. Uh, that means you know, do they close with Joe Ingles in the lineup, or do they close with with Jordan Clarkson in the lineup? I think a lot of that is going to have to be have is going to be predicated to how um, well they're they're going to be those guys are going to be defending, or how how well uh, some of those guys in the lineup are defending. Um, but you know, if you have um, if you have Clarkson and Mitchell uh, on the floor, both of those guys. Um, are obviously capable of getting their own, um, and getting their own down the stretch uh, when, when the possessions matter the most. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how you know, and what role Jordan Clarkson plays, uh, especially because the Jazz are missing a guy that averaged twenty points per game. So that, that's going to be interesting to see how the Jazz try to account for that. So with everything coming back and 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 how you know we're keeping track of like. Uh, we've got reports that Zion Williamson is in amazing shape that's going to shock people. I think that was from ESPN. We have uh, Nikola Jokic getting crazy skinny. Marcus Gasol getting crazy skinny. Have there been any body transformations from the Utah Jazz, or how is everyone feeling um, based on like coming back, having some individual workouts as they get ready to come together as a team? Well, I've been told that Donovan Mitchell's been working really hard. Rudy Gobert's been throwing up his thirst traps on IG. So, you know, he's been working hard. You know, obviously Jordan Clarkson and, and Royce O'Neal, all those guys have been playing. A lot of those guys have been playing. So I, I don't think that it's going to be difficult for those guys to get in shape. Another guy that's, 
that's gotten skinny is, is George Niang. He's definitely uh, lost some weight since the quarantine. You know, a lot of those guys are ready to play and I would say in shape. I just want to make a, a note that when I say thirst trap from Rudy Gobert, it's not a thirst trap for me. It's a thirst trap for other people. Just want to let you know. Sure. Um, real quick, Rudy... Rudy doesn't have the best social media game. Uh, you know, I guess the thirst traps are good, but uh, he did have, like, a fake Serena Williams post. Or it wasn't even fake. Like, it just was the wrong Serena Williams that he congratulated. Like, what happened there? I just know he quote-tweeted the wrong post. Well, he quote-tweeted the wrong Serena Williams. So, uh, for those who don't know, there was a Serena Williams that threw up um, a a post on was it on ig was it didn't originate out of ig wait a minute it originated out of facebook i think it was a screenshots from like facebook posts or something okay so this serena williams made a social statement off of facebook and you know rudy quote tweeted it and said i couldn't have said it better myself tagged the serena williams um and threw it up and that was like red meat the lions man and it, it turned out to be the wrong Serena Williams. It was not that Serena Williams. It's not the, like arguably the greatest tennis player of all time, like Serena Williams. It was like a white girl. <laughs> like that's what it was. It, and it was a white girl who, in her header, said, "No, I'm not that Serena Williams." <laughs> and then you know that doesn't even take into the account the content of of the post, which I vehemently disagree with 100 of the post, but. That's neither here nor there. My personal feelings on the post or anybody's personal feelings on the post. The important thing was that it wasn't that Serena Williams that that Rudy was was quote tweeting or or, or quoting. And obviously Rudy took it down. It stayed up for about 15, 20 minutes. Rudy took it down. But screenshots are forever, man. Screenshots are forever. My, my advice, uh, just maybe get a social media manager. Like at this point, I feel like I feel like Rudy needs a little bit of help there. He seems to be okay on on Instagram, but if he's going to go to Twitter, it seems like he needs someone just kind of helping him out there. Um, in terms of the Jazz coming back, you know, we're talking about what what they might look like. Um, this is a team that obviously they thrive when when they're locked in defensively. Losing Bogdanovich, like he's kind of he's a he's like a solid ish defender. I think he's got a weird reputation where people. Some people thought he was like a better defender than he is because like he held his own decently with LeBron James in a series. And then I feel like a lot of people went the other way saying he's like just an absolutely atrocious defender because, you know, trying to go away from that assessment that he could like, you know, basically hang with LeBron in a series. And so I feel like it's somewhere in the middle. Like I think he's a solid enough team defender. You know, you don't want him in isolation against anybody, but with him out of the picture defensively, they should be better, right? Like they should they should be able to lock in a little bit better. But you've had all this time off. You haven't had, um, you know, the team chemistry on the court. How do you expect them to look defensively when they come back? Boyan wasn't great defensively this year, but he was so good offensively that it kind of didn't matter that he wasn't great defensively. I think that the Jazz are going to be better defensively if you take into account on paper what their starting lineup is going to be, which is Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Roy, Royce O'Neal, and, and, and Rudy Gobert. Um, Joe, Joe Ingles hasn't been uh, as good defensively this year as he has been in previous years, uh, but that was still a much better defender than Bogdanovich. Best of Joe Ingles, to me, is a really good 
perimeter defender. Uh, he's a guy that knows angles. He knows pace. He has very long arms. He defends the pick and roll well. And he's the best on the team by a long shot of getting screened and finding his way back into the play to bother an opponent's jump shot uh, at the last second. Adding that to the lineup on a starting basis should make Utah's perimeter defense better, especially now that you're putting a second perimeter perimeter defender uh, in the start, starting lineup to complement Royce O'Neal. And Conley, he's not all-world defensively, but I think Conley's pretty good defensively. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that the Jazz, you know, there's the, st- the starting lineup that they have now has a better uh, chance of staying in front of people than the starting starting lineup they, that they have out there with, with Bogdanovich. But obviously Bogdanovich's shooting and his, his overall offense um, – that made him such a such a positive this year. How do you anticipate the Jazz approaching the the eight games? Like they're going to have three intra squad uh, scrimmages, I believe, and then they have the eight games that actually count. How do you expect them to approach all that? Yeah, that's going to be interesting, right? Because there are game and a half out of the third spot. If you gave them truth serum, uh, I think that they would probably say, "Hey, we we want to avoid the Houston Rockets," you know. So. I mean, they're a game and a half out of the third spot. I think the third spot is attainable. I don't think the second spot is attainable. Um, But at the same time, I think the seventh spot is attainable. So I think that they want to stay anywhere between three, four, five, and six. I think they want to avoid the Houston Rockets. You know, so I think that it's going to be interesting to see, you know, whether they take these eight games and use them kind of as fodder to, to, to figure themselves out for the playoffs or or whether they take these eight games and try to play them pedal to the metal and try to get the best seat as possible. I think we all know that everything in the first round that doesn't involve the Lakers and to another extent the Clippers is is pretty matchup based. The Lakers, if they get the first seed and they get, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Portland Trailblazers or or the New Orleans Pelicans, they're going to be prohibitive favorites in that playoff but anything from two through seven, that's going to be uh, a difficult matchup for both of the, all of those teams. So uh, it's going to end up coming down to matchups. So it leads me to ask myself how much does seeding uh, actually matter in that scenario? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think I want to see the breakdown of first round, you know, kind of favorites was, was like a basically had a four to one advantage and then. Um, there was a three to one advantage in the second round, and then a one point two to one advantage in the conference finals, and a, almost a one to one or a two to one advantage in the in the NBA finals when it comes to just what that higher seed has. But I think that's mostly skewed by like one eight two seven is usually pretty lopsided in in most of these first rounds, right? And so if that's the case, then um, you know the Jazz are going to be somewhere in that three six four five range, and that's. You know, that's probably just a coin flip no matter what. I think you're right. Like, I think they want to avoid Houston. Um, I think, like, I I do believe in this theory that ISO heavy ball is going to rule early on. I think as we get deeper in the playoffs, teams will have figured it out by then. But but early on, ISO heavy ball is going to rule, and James Harden's the best ISO guy, right? And so, like, I think you want to avoid that. I think you want to avoid... um, you know, maybe a, maybe a team like uh, like the Thunder, just because I do think they have so many ball handlers that it's going to be tough to to really match up well with them. But at the same time, you know, the Jazz have a bunch of those guys too. So maybe 
maybe that evens things out. And without a home court advantage, I don't know who that benefits more. What like I think I think the Jazz like suffer a little bit there because of the whole altitude thing, because of the travel and everything. Like I do I do think that you know even though that stuff calms down a little bit in the playoffs and you can adjust a little bit better. That home court advantage was big for the Jazz. Yeah, the the home court advantage is big for the Jazz, and and you know, and I think every team's fan base in the Western Conference has to come to grips with this fact right here. If you're not the Los Angeles Lakers, you're gonna have a difficult first round series. Even the Los Angeles Clippers are gonna have a first round series against a very capable opponent. You're either gonna get uh, Luka Doncic, or you're gonna get James Harden, or you're gonna get. The Jazz, or you're going to get Oklahoma City and Chris Paul. There are no walkthroughs in this playoff for for the Western Conference. Even the Lakers, uh, if they get you know New Orleans, they're going to get an insanely talented team. If they get Damian Lillard, they're going to get a guy that, that's capable of taking over a series and, and a guy that's getting Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic back. You know, they're just going to be difficult matchups all around. So, you know, I think that those that get out of the first round – are the teams that are going to find the bet that find the best matchups for them individually. And, you know, I think that if you're the jazz, I think that's what you need to look for, you know, find the best matchup for you, for the jazz and avoid the worst matchup for you, for the jazz, but it's not going to be easy either way. Do you think there's a path to the conference finals for the jazz realistically without Bogdanovich? Um, I'm not sure because they're going to get the Lakers or the Clippers in the second round, regardless, unless somebody upsets the Clippers and the team out there that's most likely to upset the Clippers is the Houston Rockets. Is there a team that is going to upset the Lakers in the first round? No. To me, that's where losing Bogdanovich hurts so much because I think that the Jazz had a puncher's chance with any team in the West outside of the Lakers with Bogdanovich. And now I don't know if that puncher's chance still exists, you know, especially when you get to the second round. I do think the Jazz can still get out of the first round and still get to the second round. But once they do get to the second round, I think that that's where you're going to see the loss of Bogdanovich uh, show up the most. Okay, so we'll, we'll get out on this. Like, what's the best case scenario to you? for this Jazz restart and and whatever playoff push they have? Like, what what sets them best, sets them up best for next season? Well, I think, you know, I think you got to look at it in terms of this season. You know, I think what sets them up the best for next season is, you know, whatever they do with that mid-level exception. They have their full mid-level exception and what kind of player that they can add to this roster because I think they still need to add one more really good player to the roster. And I think that they can with the mid-level exception. Their best case scenario this year, to me, is, you know, they, they get out of the first round. Mike Conley rediscovers the the Mike Conley that, that was so good uh, in Memphis. And I think that he was towards the end of the season before uh, the shutdown. You know, and that this group figures, figures some things out that they didn't figure out on court chemistry-wise uh, in the regular season. And they add to the group. Like, they add a... Another guy that can can defend. They add another guy that can shoot. They add somebody uh, significant with the mid-level exception. Uh, whatever that number comes in, it may be. I think the number is going to be lower than it was anticipated at the beginning of the season. So, you know, I think that that's what their best-case scenario is for next year. For this year, I think that they just got to go to Orlando and, and, and try to take the season as, as far as it'll go and compete at the highest level that they can. Okay, then real quick, what happens if they just get, like, smoked in the first round? 
do you think the do you think the front office? I don't want to say panics or, or necessarily overreacts because I, I don't think that they're the that type of front office. But do you think they start maybe looking a little more seriously into how do how do we like do we need to affect this core? No, because I think that there's real thought in the front office that the core has upside to get better next year. But then on paper, how much can you actually do with this core towards next season? Mike Conley's going to opt into. A thirty-plus million dollar contract. He's not going anywhere. Donovan Mitchell's gonna get a max contract extension. They don't. The front office doesn't have any interest in trading Rudy Gobert. So the core is gonna be the same, regardless of what happens in Orlando. You know, like I said, I, th- I think that you know how they use that mid-level is gonna be pretty important this year. What they can get, who they can get. They also have the the three point six million biannual exception. That also might be able to get them a veteran rotation player, rotation level player as well. And they have their first round draft pick. So there are vehicles that they can add to this team. And I think that, you know, I think that the front office knows that. Will they be disappointment if they go out and they get swept in the first round? Of course. But I also think that, you know, no matter what, what happens, good or bad, uh, in this Orlando restart, I think that you're going to be looking at the same core going into next year. All right, here's what we need the listeners to do. If you're listening, let's say on an Apple Apple Podcasts, unsubscribe from this feed and resubscribe to this feed. Leave a review, rate it five stars, do all that good stuff that gooses the numbers and makes us look better. If you're subscribed to The Athletic, click follow on this podcast. You get notifications every time a new one posts. Also, don't forget you can comment on the podcast. Let Tony know if you agree that Jordan Clarkson is the greatest six man of all time in, in jazz history. You can do that on this podcast. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash game notes. Uh, I believe you can get like a 30-day trial right now and uh, and check us out and get all Tony's great reporting. Tony, thanks so much. Uh, do you find it weird that when, when this whole thing got shut down, um, and I know we're wrapping up, but this whole thing got shut down, right? Like, because you were exposed to these guys who tested positive, like, you had to, you know, be away from everything for 14 days. And, and now it just seems so much more relaxed with it. I mean, I know we've learned a lot more about testing and a lot more about all this stuff, but it just seems so much more relaxed about possible positive tests. I don't know if relaxed is the word. I think, you know, personally, I think, um, you know, I, I dread it. Like, I'm, I'm, like, really hoping that, you know, I could just stay healthy and and you know every day I stay healthy is, is and my family stays healthy that's a that's a good day I think there's a normalcy now right like yeah. na- nationally anything that stays around past three weeks man it's like okay yeah okay it's here we're in a pandemic yeah yeah and plus it's hot now you know when it was 50 degrees people were like okay we're gonna stay indoors but now <laughs> it's like 90 degrees and sunny God, people are going to the beach and you know it's like forget about that so it's really interesting to see you know i just hope that we could just you know figure out a way to get a vaccine and get past this pandemic but i don't see that happening for a long time yeah uh especially i think i saw utah had like 20 percent positive rate on the last round the utah's the state of utah's positive rate is soaring it was like 19.7 yesterday that's um geez uh don't be jerks wear your mask wash your hands stay indoors if you can uh, that's the way, if you notice, that's the way every other country's dealing with this and their cases are falling. Our cases are soaring because we're idiots. Don't be idiots. And, uh, thanks for listening to Game Notes.